0: How's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode where a bunch of us content creators take some time and talk about the games we've been playing recently. And on this episode are The Tabletop Bellhop, Dice and Dragons, The Omni Gamers Club, The Meeple Dungeon, The Rat Hole. And Cardboard Conjecture. And if you have a moment, please check out the show notes for the links to the What you Been Playing Wednesday cast. Go grab yourself something to drink, a little snack, and sit back and hear what we have to say. Hello
1: and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop segment of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I am Mo Tuzano, the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, answering your gaming and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. If you've got a gaming or game night question for me, send it to questions at tabletopbellhop.com, visit our webpage and click on Ask the Bellhop, or hit me up on social media where I can be found everywhere as Tabletop Bellhop One Word. Now, the question I'm answering today is, of course, what you've been playing this past week. But first off, I want to say it's glad to be back as a contributor on What You've Been Playing Wednesday. We had a lot going on the last couple weeks and didn't really get any gaming in. Now, we did make up for it last week, though, with lots of gaming, starting with Aqualin, a two-player abstract strategy game that my wife gave me as a gift, but that has actually gotten more plays by her and my oldest daughter. This is one of those simple to learn difficult to master abstract strategy games that we actually reviewed as part of last week's podcast. You can also find that review on YouTube and a written version on the blog if you care to learn more about Aqualine. Now the next thing to hit our table was Chronicles of Avel. This is a cooperative fantasy kids game from Rebel Studios that we've been really enjoying and that I will be reviewing on tonight's live show which you can catch on Twitch twitch.tv slash tabletop bellhop tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern now up to this point we've been playing a Vel with the kids and I decided for the sake of the review to try it out with Tori and Kat and see if a group of four adults would enjoy the game and I'm pleased to say we did Tori was particularly smitten with it and was very disappointed it's not available in North America yet or he would have bought a copy online on the spot next up was Lost Ruins of Arnak which actually I played three times Over the last week, uh, two physical games, one two-player and one four-player, and one digital game on Board Game Arena with three players. Now, so far, we've been loving this game, and these last few plays, we got to try out some new things, which was first time playing with four players, which I got to say worked great, had no complaints about playing with four, and trying out the Snake Temple side of the board, which I think I prefer to the original, though we've only given it one shot so far. To me, it felt more balanced, and our scores were more grouped at the end. We didn't seem to have any runaway leader problems, which I have found with the other side of the board, especially playing two-player. So, so far, so good for Arnak. Now, after finishing a four-player game of Arnak with Tori and Kat, we finally cracked open Charterstone from Stonemaier Games. This was our first time playing it, and we played through just the first game of the campaign. Now, that was an interesting experience as none of us really knew what to expect. And I've got to say, it doesn't do a lot to guide you at the beginning of Charterstone. It kind of just throws you in the water and lets you see if you sink or swim. Now, we're playing this with the same group we had when we played through Pandemic Legacy. So none of us are new to Legacy games, but this one is quite different. All I knew about this game going in is that it had a worker placement element and it was a Legacy style game. Now, what I think will be interesting is that Deanna, my wife, didn't actually open a crate in our first game. And I'm wondering how that's going to impact things going forward, because the rest of us did. I am looking forward to more plays with Tori and Kat of that, hopefully getting in another game this Friday. Next, we come to Saturday night, where my wife and I um, had a date night gaming night, and we tried out Quacks of Quedlinburg with the Herb Witches expansion for the first time. Now, I got this expansion for Christmas, and it's taken until now to get it to the table, but we were not disappointed by it at all. I love everything about this expansion, and more importantly to us, my wife felt it greatly improved the game, including many ways to mitigate some of the randomness in Quacks of Quedlinburg. Now, I really look forward to trying this one with more players, uh, especially since the expansion bumps the player count up to five, as well as exploring more mixes of ingredients, because so far we played twice and we tried the, the... New ingredient uh, books, recipe books, and then we tried the other side. So we've tried all the new stuff, but I want to see how they mix with the other ingredients. Now, Saturday night, also saw a return of Codenames Duet to the table. Uh, This is one of our favorite date night games, and we played multiple rounds while enjoying some craft beer. Now, Sunday, we visited Deanna's mom and sister and had some amazing pulled pork, and then played a game of Imperial Settlers. Now, Imperial Settlers is an older game that I only recently rediscovered, and have been really enjoying. It's a card-driven, civ-building game with highly asymm- asymmetric factions. Now, one of my reasons for playing Imperial Settlers lately is due to the fact I have an expansion on my Pile of Shame, the Atlanteans or Atlantis expansion, and I needed to refamiliarize myself with the game before cracking that open, and it's been a joy rediscovering this one. As for this Sunday, it was a hit with the entire family, though I will say I was a bit surprised by how much longer a four-player game was to the two-player games Deanna and I have been playing. Now, my last gameplay this week was another game of Chronicles of Avell. This was on family day with both kids, my wife and I. The whole family sat down to play. Now, this time I added in the Adventurer's Toolkit expansion and the Hero's Treasure promo items, and I think both are fantastic additions to the game. Now, due to the way you pull items blindly from a bag to get equipment in here, where you're only using your sense of touch to try up the pull out the item you want, and sometimes you get the wrong thing, I think any expansion or a promo or anything produced for this game that adds more to the bag just makes the game more fascinating and more interesting. And both of these expansions add more things to pull. Boots from the one expansion and then three unique smaller items with the promos we also got to check out some of the other new rules including the ballistas which we thought were really useful but man we had terrible aim because our shots missed almost the entire game and the rules for familiars which we got to see the bear and the fox in play during this last game now as i mentioned earlier i'm going to be reviewing this one tonight so tune in live tonight or watch for our podcast to hit on Tuesday or watch YouTube and the blog for reviews to go up there because this is honestly one of the best cooperative games, cooperative kids games I've played and I'm looking forward to sharing more about it. Now that's it for the games I've been playing lately. Before I go, a reminder to visit tabletopbellhop.com. Join us Wednesdays on Twitch at 9 p.m. Eastern where we record the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, which you can find on your Podcatcher of choice if you can't join us live. For the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I am Mo Tuzano, the Tabletop Bellhop. Good day, and game on!
2: What up gamers? I'm Jason.
3: I'm Julie, and together we're Dice and Dragons. And you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram at Dice and Dragons, and on Twitter at Dice and Dragon.
2: And today, what is it, Julie? It's what you've been playing Wednesdays. And what have we been playing over the last couple of nights?
3: Uprising, The Cursed of the Last
2: Emperor. Yes, this is published by Nemesis Games, designed by Cornelius Kremen. I know I'm going to massacre this again. Uh, Pavo Mazur and Dirk Sommer. I swear I'm going to get this right when we finally do our review. Isn't it Mazur? Oh, you see, you're already doing better than I am. Now, this is a cooperative 4x game for 1 to 4 players and plays in 120 to 240 minutes depending on the amount of chapters that you're going to be playing in the game. Uh, At this point in time, I think we've wrapped up two games of this. We played a short game. We're in the process of completing our second game, which uh, isn't going very well. And I think we're pretty much going to call it just because of uh, the situation we're in. So, Julie, what do you think about this game? And I think you've got a lot of thoughts. And if I'm not mistaken, both of us love it and hate it a little bit at the same time. Yeah, well, there's some good things about
3: it. I mean, I like its table presence. It is a huge game, though. I I keep thinking every time we look at it, it's a good thing it's on a a game table because I can't imagine leaving it on another table. It would take up a whole entire table, and it's not a short game.
2: No, it takes... it does take a long time to play, and being at that stage that we are at with our little guy right now, I'm not liking that as much as I thought it would. I can appreciate the mechanics, the table presence, the amount of space that it takes up, but, man, I mean, it's even using the extra sides of our table vault.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, I like the, stand, the acrylic standees, uh, and I like the colored dice. Uh, I I, uh, I like that, and the... the Quality of the card stock and the cards, it's its a good quality game.
2: I gotta disagree with you there. I, sorry, card stock, I like. Finish on the cards, I hate it. It's awful to shuffle, I don't know oh, what they well, were thinking. Yeah, they,
3: but I, I mean from a quality perspective. Yes, yeah, so
2: in terms of being thick, hard to damage, good quality, the finish is god awful.
3: That being said, I've had some fun playing the game and then other times I just, I am incredibly frustrated with it and kinda just wanna get up and walk away. Uh, So I have to say it's it's kind of I would I can't even say it's a love hate. It's a like hate, (laughs) Um, which is unfortunate for it, because if if I loved it and I hated it, I might still want to play it. But right now, I'm not so sure about it. I I honestly, uh, unfortunately, I think I'm more disappointed with the combat and the lack of balance. I mean, we've only played it at two players, and I think that's a real problem. But I think games that don't play well at two players kind of just frustrate me.
2: Yes, especially with this being a two-player game. Now, if you look at Board Game Geek, it is recommended at three players. And one of the things that does happen in the game is that later on in the game, there will be more enemies that spawn at Higher player counts with less at lower player counts. What that means is you can have a I think a good time playing a two-chapter game uh, of this, depending on the cards that you get. But there is no specific rules besides setup in terms of what is going to be coming out with regards to a two-player game, meaning you can get a lot of legions, a lot of hordes coming out right away, and that's just the hand that you're dealt. So reading another review uh, on board game geek it did say that the game can be randomly atrociously hard and i have to stand by that the game like bad rolls can completely throw you for a loop i mean just for fun i rolled badly i got wiped out i took up the picked up the dice rolled it again and it was at the point where i would have annihilated one of the hordes and we would have been in a much better position for going into this second uh, well this third round of the game Because during the game you cannot build units, meaning you lose units, they're gone, you're going to potentially not wipe out the Hordes and Legions, which are the big bads for the two enemy factions, and they're going to just get stronger. Now, they are enemies of each other as well, and I do think in some cases we haven't necessarily been placing skeletons and other things that could be a hindrance to the Empire, and maybe getting them to fight each other and weaken each other. So that's definitely something that I want to take into consideration, but as you mentioned with the combat, throwing the dice and coming up bupkis and not being able to retreat or have dice mitigation options, or very few, is really, really annoying. It reminds me a lot of Kick-Ass. I remember the time that you took like 12 dice in that game. You rolled every single dice and everything was blank. You just looked at me and said, I'm so done with this. We finished the game, but you told me we were never playing it again, and you never did.
3: Yeah, well, and, and see, and I had a couple of, of really good or really decent roles, and I'm like, yeah, this isn't so bad. But the I think the biggest issue I have is that in order to have any chance of defeating uh, the villains, you have to basically have near-perfect roles. And and that doesn't happen or,
2: Just sorry It's not necessarily near-perfect roles, or you're both rolling really mediocre, and eventually you come out ahead.
3: Yeah. But I mean, if there was a way to mitigate, uh, you know, a bad role or like you said, if I can accept having really bad roles and losing all all your men, all your all your warriors, if you can rebuild them. I mean, if a round completely goes to, you know, I was going to say just goes the wrong way because you lose all your men it's frustrating Uh, Mm -hmm. and and it there's not like there's that many rounds I mean there's a on the long game has four rounds but there's a lot of there's a lot of actions and I was like well well, what do you mean I I got I got more resources why can't I build more men Uh, to me that just especially since I just lost all my warriors I mean I guess it represents a little bit the reality of life where you can't just get soldiers and warriors back on the field immediately but that being said It just frustrated me. And you know what? It's one of these games I'm looking forward to getting off the table so that we can put something else on the
2: table. So, yeah, I mean, I think those are our thoughts on the game. Uh, We're going to take a look at where we're at. And I don't know if we're going to continue this current game or if we're going to give it a try at four players. Just to clarify what we think, maybe with a lack of balance, is that at four players, there's a bigger map. So there, but the setup is the same and the enemy spawns are the same until the later game. Meaning that at the start, if you get a nice placement, you get some good rolls, you can have a lot more presence and also be better positioned to, you know, bounce back from a failure. Because if one faction doesn't succeed defeating this horde, well, guess what? You might have some backup in terms of someone else being able to come in and mop up. So that's where we're at on the game. I would not expect our review this week. We want to spend a little bit more time with it as we're, you know, we're (laughs) probably about four or five hours in uh, so far, but really not sure how we're going to grade this. But uh, I can safely say that I'm not sure this one is going to last in the collection. Doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad game, just not for us, especially not right now.
3: So, on that note, it's time to remind everybody to keep playing playing games. games.
4: Hello, this is Daniel from the Omnigamers Club podcast, or you may know me from my solo content at Board Game Feast, where I create board game themed treats. Now, it's been a while since I've been on What have Been Playing Wednesdays. Unfortunately, my game room has been pretty quiet lately through the holidays and a couple of illnesses, but with this last long weekend, I was finally open to reopen my game room, have a couple of friends over, as I hope were a lot of you as well. Now, my podcast co-host, Mark, won't be able to join me today, but we did just release our latest episode on a bit of a retrospective of the Race for the Galaxy series uh the cardboard universe as it were the Ro- role for the galaxy and new frontiers as well and contrasting all of those games so i've obviously been playing a lot of those but other than that uh this last games day i managed to pull a couple of things off my shelf of shame we started with one of my most recent acquisitions that is public market that is designed by the development team most known for their work over at Flat Out Studios. That is Molly, Sean and Robert. That's a fun little uh, polynomial puzzle filling up your icebox with with fish and then uh, selling them to fulfill some contracts but what I really want to talk about today is a, a game that I bought right as the lockdown began and I was full of optimism that it would all <laughs> blow over soon uh, is Forgotten Waters designed by Isaac Vega and published by Plaid Hat Games. Now this is technically part of the Crossroads series. Um Previously, you had Dead of Winter and I think Gen 7. Uh, but this is really much more of a story-focused game, a uh, lot, lot less rules overhead than, say, Dead of Winter. has more in common with something like Tales of Arabian Nights. It's really just a, a, a booklet of events uh, with sort of choose-your-own-adventure exploration this is a cooperative game, though, with some uh, pressure to to jostle for turn order to get your first preference, but without uh, any sort of direct betrayal like you'd had in Dead of Winter. Now, you're going to be creating a pirate with one of a dozen or so archetypes. They each have a sort of a constellation guiding their their skill upgrades and uh, some story beats and you'll basically provide some uh, mad lib style uh, story prompts that will generate your backstory as you go along and unlock some new skills. You'll have a uh, map that you're exploring with your ship and As you visit new locations, that might prompt some story beats with a fully voiced story, I might say, that's very well uh, performed with a very diverse and talented voice cast. And it'll give you some kind of option based on who has the highest brawn or navigation skill, for example, that might gain or lose you some supplies. And you're keeping track of all of those uh, stats with your supplies, your hull, your crew with various uh, trackers each player being responsible for one or two different roles depending on how many you have and then you might get to a a town or an event like attacking another ship uh, and you open up this big story booklet with this beautiful full page art and basically a list of possible locations or actions that you can take whether it's Going to the market, or going to the tavern to try and shake down some some money, or going to the blacksmith to upgrade your weapons, or doing performing maintenance on the ship, and you'll basically in turn order be, be choosing a priority here. It's sort of very basic worker placement. And then generating some more stories for your, for your personal character that might have a, a story beat, or a, a skill upgrade. Some very basic tests with some dice rolling. Uh, and you can—it's very light on the actual role playing. You, there's no sort of improvisation for your character required, but you do—it it does encourage sort of very much emergent storytelling, and with lots of prompts for for playing along with uh, whatever events may come up. Now we only played the first half or so of the the first mission, but it does provide a, a solid sort of point at which you can basically save the game and come back to it later. So I'm really looking forward to revisiting that soon. It has really strong writing and voice acting. I laughed out loud quite a few times. Or if you and your friends want to go full pirate mode yourself, you can uh, read out all the text yourself. Through the app, there looks to be a huge breadth of, of story beats and possible events that might come up. So hoping to sail the high seas again soon. I should say we we kept the nautical theme going for lunch and we had some lovely... Uh, bassa fish burgers to go with that with some homemade tartare sauce because I just can't help uh, leaning into the thematic elements. So uh, you can catch our latest episode of our podcast, which should be coming out the same day as this podcast. That is on on Race for the Galaxy, Roll for the Galaxy, and New Frontiers. Uh, I'm also doing some streams, uh, sort of let's plays for some of the games we're covering on the podcast over at uh, Twitch under my uh, my personal account, Board Game Feast. You can also find me, Mark, and the podcast over on Twitter. And remember to have a balanced gaming diet.
5: Hello everybody, it's Rob and Anna-Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello! And we are back again recording for What You've Been Playing Wednesday's podcast. We have one game to talk about this week. What game is that, Anna-Marie?
6: That game is Shotten Totten, designed by Reiner Knizia, art by Jib, and published by Yellow. Art by Jib? D-J-I-B, Jib. I see that. I believe it's like Jin, like a... D-J-I-B, Jib. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yes. A cool
5: name. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, Shotten Totten. This is a game that we saw on a lot of like top hundreds lists, I believe, of mm-hmm. several people in the industry, and was a game that we'd been searching for for quite a while. I've I'd seen Shot and Totten two quite a bit in yeah. and around. And, um, yeah. But this was shot and taught in the original.
6: Yeah. And you, you found it overseas. Yeah. When I was making a, another purchase,
5: I was yeah. like, ooh. You threw it into I the, just
6: checked, and they happened the to have it. So I was like, well, why not?
5: Yeah. <laughs> it's already coming over. Yeah. So, Shot and Totten is a card game. We've played a few games of it. Um, and it's, all it is is a deck of cards and some and nine tiles. Yes. And the deck of cards is made up of six colors from one to nine each. Yes. And there are nine tiles with stones on it, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Did you want to read the little blurb it has? Yeah, I will, because it's kind of cute. It is, yeah, exactly. A
6: warm breeze flows through the Scottish valley as the birds begin to sing and the snow slowly melts away. Your precious village is slowly uncovered and the stones that define your territory begin poking through. The earth is soft and the stones could easily roll just a bit into your neighbor's village, granting you the extra space your clan needs. After all, no one will notice, right? Suddenly, an arrow whizzes past your ear. It seems that your neighbor had the same idea and is now pushing stones to enlarge his territory. Use your cards to create the best battle formations and defend your village. Claim enough stones to win the game.
5: Yeah. So, <laughs> so how are we winning these stones? So, what you do is that the stones are on nine cardboard uh, to- uh, tiles. Tiles. And you lay them out in a, in a line across the table, and I'm on one side of them and you're on the other side. You got it. And then we shuffle up the deck of cards, and that is six colors, one to nine. So, like, sh- six suits, one to nine each yep. suit. Each we suit shuffle those up and we deal each other uh, six cards. Yes. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to outpace or outsmart or outplay your <laughs> opponent... Four these stones, and you're trying to win five of the nine stones at least, or three side by side. Yeah,
6: so you're basically five along any anywhere along that border, anywhere along the wall, or three side by side.
5: Yeah, and um, in order to win those stones, you're playing one card at a time and then you're drawing a card. So, yeah, you, you can win these stones by having and you're only playing three it's cards combinations per of stone. three. Yeah, yeah, um, so. In order to win the stone, you can do several different things. You can have a color run. So, like a three, four, five of blue will be really good. That's like a color run is the highest scoring type of.
6: Yeah, it'll uh, trump anything.
5: Yeah, uh, a set of three that you can do. And if I have a three, four, five of blue, but you have a five, six, seven of yellow. Another color? You're going to take that stone. Yeah. And then you can have three of a kind. Yep. So, like six or like seven, seven, seven. Um, and then you could have color, so just seven nine two of red would be the third highest scoring. Then you can just have a straight run of one two three of any color.
6: Yeah, it could be like yeah. all three three different colors
5: for it. It would. And matter. then if you have some random combination like a nine seven and three of all th- three different colors, it's just the sum. Just add them But all that'd up. be the lowest scoring yeah. combination you can have, and it's simple as that. On your turn, you're just playing a card and drawing a card.
6: Yeah, and it's neat because. You can't just say, "Okay, I've now got a three, four, five blue. I'm going to take the tile." You have to actually wait until the other player has their three cards out, or unless yeah. you can mathematically prove that right. there's no better combination.
5: Yeah, that but gets, early on, that's not yeah, happening. Yeah,
6: because there's so many cards in the deck, you can't guarantee that.
5: Yeah, so you know, generally, you're just waiting for me to have my three cards down, and you'd have your three cards down, and we compare who has the better hand. Yeah. And whoever has the better hand wins the stone. It is tough. It is very oh tough. My goodness. the further you go along, it gets harder and harder, and you're, you're analyzing what cards they've played and what cards you have in your hand and what they might have in their hand oh, versus yeah. how many cards are left in the deck. Yeah. Super neat.
6: You start playing down cards, and you're like, this is awesome. I'm going to get, you know, my... I'm going to get three different color runs, and you start laying them down, and then all of a sudden, um, your opponent plays the card that you need,
5: and you're like, yeah, oh, my Oh, gosh. no. And then that whole... Like, <laughs> you have your five, six of red, and you're like, all I need is that... Um, four or seven. Four or seven. And then you see that I played a four over there, and then you haven't seen the seven yet, and you don't know if I have it in my hand or if it's in the pile. Meanwhile, I have to
6: try to figure out what I'm going to place on the other rocks or the other stones to try to make
5: piles, hoping yep. that I get that seven. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting game. It's it's way more interesting than I would have thought. Um, yeah. I knew people liked it, but I didn't really understand what it was until we started playing it. And it's super simple. And there is... So that's, that's the game. That's as simple as it is. You're trying to win these five yeah. stones and or three in a row, three side-by-side stones, and you can win. But that's it. They, and it's yeah. just th- my three cards versus your three cards. But there are uh, other variants to this game within the box. and there, there, There's cards with, that you can add into this with special powers. Mm-hmm. We haven't tried those yet because it's recommended to play this the base game.
6: And I just, I'm and having I fun with the kinda, base game right
5: now. Yeah, good that way. I like how pure it is about just the hands of three, right? Yeah. So I'm not sure what all these uh, extra cards do. It looks like there's some witches and barbarians and Yeah, they've got some
6: crazy uh, iconography on there, whereas the rest yeah. of the game has none. So it definitely looks like it'll be interesting, but I'm just really enjoying this part of Shot and oh, for right sure. now. So I'm going to keep playing that out and.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's a great game. It's not expensive.
6: It's really uh, good quality. Oh, the yeah. artwork is awesome. The artwork is very cool. The I name love is it. fun yeah. to say. <laughs> it's Shutten fun. Totten. Yeah, they say 20 minutes, and I'd say that's your max. I'd say that's bang that's on. Max. I think we yeah.
5: are in the 15, 10 to 15, yeah. 15 for a game. Yep. Um,
6: that's, that's, they put the 20 minutes there because the IP is going to sit in, or the AP. AP, yeah. And where am I going to put this? And you just got to say, forget it. It's not going to matter. That's <laughs> the thing, And then you yeah. put it down. Just,
5: Play it and then see what happens. And then before you know it, you're playing new, another game. Anyway. Yeah. Um, it's a ton of fun, this game. It is game. It's, it's a lot better than anticipated. So I imagine
6: I mean, Shot and Taunt 2 is probably
5: fairly similar. I'm curious what the difference I is. I don't know. Um, but no, it's good. Really good. Solid little card game. Yeah. Recommend it. But uh, I think that's it for this week. So you can find us on Twitter and YouTube and our own podcast that yeah. is being uploaded weekly. The, the Meeple, Meeple Dungeon. Dungeon. and uh yeah you can find it on all the podcasting sites we just uploaded our 26th episode where we talked about steam watchers for mythic games so yeah uh go check that out we'll see you next week cheers see ya
7: what's up internet My name is paparazzo Dave Chapman. I'm the lead reviewer for the Rathole.ca, a co-host on The Legend of the Traveling Tardis, and I'm super excited to be back on Whatcha Been Playing Wednesday. It's been a crazy busy few weeks um, as convention season is creeping up ever so quickly on us, but I still managed to get a few great games in. The big one is I've been playing a ton of Blinks games by Move38, specifically Tangle and Mimic, Uh, These are two of their newest games. They're part of the new Party Pack expansion that went live yesterday, assuming you're listening to this podcast the day it dropped, which of course you are, right? Anyways, if you've never heard of blinks, these are smallish hex-shaped devices that have six multicolor LED lights and an internal clickable button. Uh, Here's the really cool part, though. Each individual blink has a permanently programmed game on it, which can then teach any other blinks that they are connected to. So with Tangle, for example, I would turn on all of my blinks, create a really tight cluster of them. I set the Tangle blink to teach mode, add it to the rest of the blinks, and the game is taught to all of those other components. Once the game is loaded, you select the game mode. Most commonly in this case, each player chooses a specific color. Next, you select a player count, two to six, with colors being added as needed. When you start the game, all your blinks go dark for three seconds, and then light up in a random pattern. You'll frantically click anything in front of you that's showing your color, which will then make it another player's color, while they do the same thing for all of their colors. After 17 to 23 seconds, and I don't really know how that's determined, uh, blinks all go dark again, and then display the final board state count up how many of your color and everyone else's color is showing. Whoever has the least showing wins. You can play the game as one-off or elimination style. Uh, So maybe you're done with that game, and so you grab the flick-flop blink. You set it to teaching mode, connect it to the other blinks, and suddenly you've got a dexterity game that's a bit like curling, but instead of just hitting your target, you need to hit it when that target is showing the same color that you are playing or you're giving points to your opponent. Uh, Including the party games, Movie 38 has 40 games released for this system, and everything is open source, so anybody can design more games to play with them. They're absolutely fabulous. I love them to death. I don't think I gave them nearly enough credit, or it doesn't seem like I gave them enough credit in my recent uh, Kickstarter reviews of this, but please, they are great. Uh, Yeah. I also need to give an honorable mention here. I've only had a chance to record a short unboxing on this one, but it really amuses me that the next package I received after Blinks was the new Gale Force 9 game, Doctor Who Don't Blink. I won't get to play it before I leave for Dice Tower West and Gamma, but I'm going to leave it in the hands of one of the other contributors to this very same podcast, so you may actually hear more about it soon. I also got to play some older games, starting with Azul. Believe it or not, this was my first time playing Azul, and I have to add my thumbs up to the continuing hype for this game. It's a beautiful tile-based tableau builder, there's a metric ton of Azul content out there, so all I'm going to say is that if you haven't played it, go play it. And the last game I want to talk about is one of my absolute favorites. Dragoon by Lay Waste Games. It's a bit challenging to find this game in Canada because most of the editions of the game come with solid metal components, which obviously makes it kind of pricey to ship. In Dragoon, you are a dragon trying to exert control over the local villages and cities, hoarding their golden tributes to you, and occasionally getting into fisticuffs with other dragons. Wait, do, do dragons have fists? You know what I mean. Whether you get the Solid Metal Gold Edition or the somewhat newer Standard Edition with components that are made of plastic, uh, all of the components are absolutely gorgeous. Nick Nazaro's artwork is absolutely stunning, as always. The gameplay is simple, but still exciting. I've honestly, I've raved about this game since the first time I saw it years ago at Gen Con. And... It continues to be one of my favorites. The expansions are every bit as beautiful and fun. I can't say enough about this game. It, as I said, it's one of my favorites. It always, I think, will be. So definitely check it out if you ever get the opportunity. TheRatHole.ca puts out primarily written content with the occasional video review and interviews, as well as a weekly miniatures painting series, Slinging Paint. You can find our YouTube channel and all of our social medias at... Linktree, that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash the rat hole dot C-A. Thank you for listening, and until next time, good gaming, and goodbye!
0: Hey everybody! This is Norm from the Cardboard Conjecture podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon, and uh, let's see what the community has been playing. So, what you been playing, Bridge City Board Gamers? Uh, Jason, we played Power Grid, Micro Macro Crime City, and Role Player this week. Uh, right on, Power Grid, uh, Fe- Friedman Freeze. I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed. I used to own this game, played it a couple times. Uh, I don't think the gaming group dug it, and uh, so I sold it. But I keep seeing it pop up again. I might have to, might have to do some more homework on it again. And Role Player, um, I'm not a big. I've played Sagrada, I've, I enjoyed it, um, but Role Player uh, put a put a, uh, a theme on it, and it's like your your typical high fantasy adventure kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I dug it. So moving on, Eli. Tapestry, Cascadia, Dixit, and that time you killed me. Uh, tapestry, uh, strong Stone uh, um, Stonemire games. Uh, you know, I played it a couple times. I enjoyed it. It was cool. It was. It. Yeah, I think the. Uh, I think the thing people were expecting, like a uh, civilization building game, like you know, uh, the the Sid Meyer kind of thing, and that's not what it is. Uh, it's a Euro. It's, it's a kind of cool game. Um, Cascadia. I adore Cascadia. What a fantastic game. And Dixit, uh, probably one of my favorite go-to party games because uh, very easy rule set, very easy to understand, and such table engagement. Uh, fantastic. Uh, that Time You Killed Me? I have not played that yet. I've heard a lot of people talk about it, though. So, yeah, right on. Moving on! Um, Hans! Uh, I'd be surprised if there wasn't Terraforming Mars. (laughs) Right on. Uh, Mountain Goats. I've not played that game yet. I've got to read it. I've not done my homework on that either, but I've heard it. Uh, Kotl, uh, King Domino, uh, Noctulica, Welcome to the Moon, uh, Armonia, and Karuba. And uh, so, yeah, Terraforming Mars. A lot of people love that engine-building game. Right on uh Mountain Ghost like I said no I've never not played it King Domino yes everybody knows dominoes and everybody knows little kingdoms and it is such a fun game it uh I mean it works for kids it works for adults it's a cool puzzle it's one of those games that's easy to play and um, takes some time to master so yeah and um Welcome to the Moon is a, is a riff off of uh, Welcome to which is the neighborhood builder and uh, I'm just going to, you know, extrapolate that you're doing it on the moon now. So, yeah, cool. Uh, let's move on here. We've got Ryan, uh, Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, Draftosaurus, uh, right on. Yeah, Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion. Um, yeah, that's, I've, I've, I'm pushing my way through, just about done the, the, the I think it's like 25 scenario campaign. And I'm having so much fun. That's such a good game. Matt. Matt be playing. Well, Matt played some poker. Uh, no, wait. Augustus. And then poker. And Stone Age and tinner's Trail. Mystic Vale. Um, uh, Augustus. I believe. I've not played it. I've seen it played. It's got the bingo mechanism. And, uh, yeah. that's That one seems like a lot of fun. I like the... I like that antiquity, uh, um, thematic games, uh, poker. There's no theme, <laughs> uh, stone age. Yeah. That, that was my first, uh, presence to a worker placement system. I, I liked it, but it has dice that hate me. And yeah. So tinder's trail, Martin Wallace, love me some Martin Wallace and tinder's trail is, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying that game. Now, again, uh, a little bit of confirmation bias. I kickstarted it, so there's part of my, you know, everybody who kickstarts a game is battling with their ego when they play the game, and they, it's not what they expected it to be. But they don't want to, they don't want to admit that that you know, they, it misfired. So, <laughs> so moving on. Travis tried out Tris, Trismegistus last night. Very cool and different game. However. You can get ridiculous chains going that naturally cause a player's turn to drag on. I think in person this would be mitigated, uh, but online I just get impatient, waiting, (laughs) ha ha ha. Otherwise, cool game that I don't think I'll ever be good at since it doesn't fit my play style, but would try again. Did some solo Imperial classics. I want to play that game, yeah. Cool concept, had the right idea, but I think it just falls short for me. It will always be there if I want a casual solo game, though. You know, that's a very objective look at those two games. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Trismas- Trismegistus, uh, I've just, I just know the, the name and how difficult it is to say. I have uh, Outside of that, no idea. Uh, uh, Kafer. I'm so sorry if I've mispronounced your name, uh, played Corrosion last week. That was it. It was meh. Sold it promptly after. Okay, cool. You know what? That's the cool thing about board games. Uh, you, you know, it's like music. Some people like certain music. Some people don't like certain music, and that's okay. Uh, corrosion engine building game. I like engine building. Um, I I have this game. I enjoyed it. I and I do enjoy it. Uh, now I play it solo, and uh, I want to. I'd love to see what this game's like uh, with with a table full. Now, um, I can probably see what, what you're saying about this one because it, it just gets into... It's probably why I don't like Splendor because Splendor is just uh, like one move, right? I mean, it's just this one thing you're trying to master. So I get it. I get it. Lane. Lane played some uh, zombie kids in Sagrada. And uh, yeah, I get, you know what? I guess he's playing with his kids because... Uh, Zombie Kids, it's a kids game. And it's a great kids game, too, uh, by Canadian publisher Scorpio Masque. Cool. Scott, Scott, several games of Marvel Champions this week, both two-player and four-player, when continuing a run through the Mad Titans Shadow Campaign, as well as plays of three-player Lisboa and four-player Azul. And lastly, the continuation of our d and campaign, which is such great fun. Yeah, going to reinforce that one. So let's go back up. Marvel Champions. Yes, if you like, if you like that theme, or the IP, this is, this is you being the, uh, the superheroes rather than the uh, legacy, um, uh, the upper deck version where you're, you're kind of managing a team. Um, and the Mad Titans Shadow Campaign. Uh, yeah. Yeah, started doing the Red Skull campaign. And uh, should we, you know what? I should get back to that and put it up on the uh, on the cardboard conjecture YouTube channel. Uh, moving, yeah, Lisboa. Oh, Vital. I love me some Vital. And uh, and lastly, DD campaign. Yay! Love collaborative storytelling. I this is the this is the penultimate uh Storytelling narrative game. And uh, just a heads up, uh, in the works, uh, we've got myself, my, my gaming group, and uh, the uh, Eric and Fager uh, and from Bard Quest Empire. We're going to collaborate and co-produce a, uh, the King's Court, a tournament of champions where it is a uh, last champion standing kind of uh, battle. So, yeah, we'll keep you posted on that. Jonathan. Looks like Jonathan played some Robinson Crusoe. Yeah, and it's Crusoe, not Caruso, All right, That's my iTwitch pet peeve. Uh, I, yeah, that's such a good game. Portal, well, that's well done. Um, this is one of those games where the system is so uh, uh, developed that you, you could it's got such an architecture to it that you could put scenarios into it and... Uh, and, and have a different complete story, much like uh, Lucky Duck Games is doing with their QR code uh, um, app structure that they've built. In this case, Portal uh, has built a, a beautiful card um, uh, structure and uh, they both work much in the same way, different media, right? So yeah, Jonathan played a solo game of Robinson Crusoe, yeah, like you see there, uh, messed up very angry sea lion, cool. Uh, <laughs> dangerous Grant been playing some solo Tiny Epic Galaxies, um, and uh, Kelly. We uh, forgot to chime in. We had played a little a while. Uh, did some Happy Little Dinosaurs, and uh, Princess Bride board game. Inconceivable! <laughs> so there you go. That's what the Bridge City board gamers community has been playing. Well, if you were to ask me, Norm, what you've been playing. My answer would be uh, our Wednesday night Gamers Garage uh, played Gaia Project designed by Jens Trogmuller and Helg Ostertag. And it's published by uh, Führerland Spiel and here in North America, Capstone Games. Capstone Games, take a victory lap. You guys are doing fantastic work these last few years. Uh, Gaia Project, um, uh, as people would say, Terra Mystica in spin. What's some, I mean, a lot of people say it's revamping or fine tuning of the rules. Um, I used to own Terra Mystica. Gaming Group didn't really like it, uh, so I sold it. Uh, I I mean, I played it a couple times with the the solo that was created, third party creation kind of thing, and uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. There was a lot of interplay, a lot of uh, um, synergy, uh, um, uh, proximity related kind of uh, benefits. And, uh, so Gaia Project, same thing, but, uh, you're in space and, um, not as now again, not as many, from what I recall, not as many, uh, different choices as far as your, your, your race goes. And, uh, but still a lot in Gaia Project. I mean, I mean, there was more than I could think of to choose from. So that's good enough for me. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, it, oh was such a good game! Such a good game! I have no problems playing this back to back. I mean, I, every every week we try to get new, get, try to get the games off our shelf of shame. And uh, so uh, Dave brought this one in, and uh, so I, you know what? I like it so much that I'm gonna go pick myself up a copy. So yeah, you're yeah you're basically trying to uh, trying to uh, score victory points to to be the the best empire be the best system um, and expansion and the as I said all the different all the different factions races whatever perspective you want to look at this from but what what you're playing is so asymmetric to what everybody else is playing that uh, to me I mean I lost (laughs) but this was my first time playing this was Jeff's first time playing and Dave and Jordan's second time playing and now Jordan once Jordan gets the rules in his head uh, we're talking supercomputer here, so uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, so. Yeah, this is one of those games where even though I suck, uh, I had so much fun discovering the 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 potential that uh, my my player board had. Now, this is one of those games where you, I mean, in your head, you'd be like, "Okay, we'll be playing this a few times. If we like it, we'll be playing this a few times." So. Uh, just sit back and, and enjoy the experience for me. And uh, Gaia Project, what a what an awesome experience! And uh, as it says, expand, research, upgrade, and settle the galaxy with one of fourteen alien species. So yeah, that was uh, that's Gaia Project. Now I had uh, I popped into uh, Amazing Stories, and they had just gotten in th- uh, this game, and I I was you know zoink! Thank you. Uh, and this is Boone Lake, designed by one of my top. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm uh, Alexander Fister, And uh, uh, again, um, published by DLP Games in Europe, but brought into uh, North America by Capstone Games. Take a victory lap. And uh, so, yeah, Boone, Boone Lake says, create a new life for yourself in Boone Lake. Think of this as escaping the, the chaos of the urban setting and going into the rural area and developing slowly, quietly, um, and uh, this is—I think I, when I tweeted it, I said this is a culmination of a lot of very cool mechanisms and concepts from a lot of different games um, that coalesce into this system that that has such a great, you know, interplay, push-pull. Um, it's basically that same um, trail idea from Great Western Trail or Maracaibo that you're that you're running a circuit, and in this game there's two different circuits because it's you know you're traveling down water around the islands of Boone Lake area, and um, add the idea of, of tiles expansion, add the idea of um, uh, your your forges to your settlements to to the to the cattle po- oh yeah this is such a really cool I don't, I, I mean it's a it, civilization builder but no it's um it's a uh, hamlet builder in the Boone Lake area so uh, yeah I' I'm, to me I'm having so much fun now here's my here's my only complaint and it's the same complaint I had for Great Western Trail and it's and, and not that it's a complaint it's a obstacle identifier on my part right? Um, and because uh, for me it is it is interpreting all the graphic semiotics and, and symbols that represent something, right? Um, the language, his ba- the graphic coding language. Um, but like I said, I'm enjoying so many Alexander Pfister games that uh, that, that understanding of that of, of the graphic and int- I use the word semiotics where the idea that an image represents a, a message, kind of thing, and uh, so I'm starting to key up on on the vocabulary uh, of of his designs, and especially and this game too. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it, it's one of these things. Once you understand it, then you go, oh well, yeah, that makes sense, right? So it's just that same idea. Um, if you if you know another language, right? I'm I'm bilingual, so. Um, in the summertime, when I lose my that side of my French, um, that uh, it's sort of like, oh, you just got to get that vocabulary back. And then there we go, you know, and everything's up to speed. So that that was my only thing. Now that I'm up to speed, yeah, this is, I'm having fun with this game. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, that was Boone Lake, Alexander Pfister and Capstone Games. So we are at that point where I always love to say thank you so much for listening to what we all have to say about the games that we've been playing recently, and uh, a big, big thank you to the content creators who who take the time to put put their thoughts down and uh, share with us what they've been playing. And that being said, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh?